Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. So we have been in a series called A Beautiful Mess, A Beautiful Mess, which honestly has become one of my favorite phrases because much of life is a beautiful mess. Your life is a beautiful mess. And the way that God works typically is like a beautiful mess. And as a byproduct of that, the church is a beautiful mess. And what this series has practically been on is the church, how it is a beautiful mess mess. In week two, we talked about how the beautiful mess is God's bride. In week three, we talked about how the beautiful mess is God's body. And I would encourage you, if you haven't been here for any of the sermons in, in this series, download our Lifehouse Newport News app or go on SoundCloud, iTunes, and listen to previous sermons. But today, I, w- I want to talk to you about what fuels the church. What gives the church It's power. In the same way, food is supposed to fuel your body and gas fuels a car. What is the food or what is the gas that fuels the church? And I know when I tell you what that is, some of you are going to have PTSD. Or you're going to have some kind of idea of what it is or you've possibly heard something about it. Or the church you grew up in didn't want any part of it. Or the church you grew up in was all about it. I'm not sure what part of the spectrum you were on, but whenever I tell you the fuel of the church, I can guarantee you're going to have a preconceived notion about this. The fuel, the power for the church is the Holy Spirit. Now, I know depending on what kind of church you grew, you grew up in or possibly you didn't grow up in church, you might be like, huh? Or if, here's the thing, right? Personally, I grew up in a really Pentecostal church. Did anyone here grow up in a really Pentecostal church? And they were, and I mean, you know, they were, whole, they were charismatic. Some people would call it charismaniac. I mean, there was people running around the church, people doing what, what we call the Holy Ghost hop. I mean, excitement. There were, there were, there were people uh, speaking in tongues, like, I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Mazda. Should have bought a Kia, but I bought a Ford. Right? It, you know, it was people speaking different languages. I saw people like... Um, like barking like dogs, like I saw people fall out. And personally, grow, grow, growing up, being in a church that was extremely Pentecostal, extremely charismatic, I, I developed a framework of who I thought the Holy Spirit was and how the Holy Spirit operates. Now, maybe you grew up in a whole different kind of church because I know this, I, I, I had friends that were from a different denomination 
And they thought that I wasn't even a Christian because of the things we practiced and did with the Holy Spirit. So you had some, de- some denominations that they just kind of said that, that weird, you know, falling out and speaking in tongues and, you know, that kind of stuff. Nah, that, that, nah, yo, we good. <laughs> like, we're just going to take the Holy Spirit, put him in a, put him in a little box right over here. And, and then it was kind of like the other side was just like you really hardly even talk about him. Like, don't even bring them up, right? And, and here's the thing, right? I'm not sure, whenever I say Holy Spirit, I'm not sure what comes to your mind because I don't know how you grew up. Possibly you didn't grow up in church. So whenever I say Holy Spirit, you're like, I, do, is, is there even a Holy Spirit? Here's the thing, right? I was taught growing up, you were not, you didn't have the Holy Spirit unless you spoke in tongues, And so, but then I learned that Billy Graham never spoke in tongues. I was like, really? So are we going to be adventurous enough to say that Billy Graham wasn't speaking or that Billy Graham wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit? You see, what I'm saying is, is, even before we talk about the Holy Spirit, we've got to deal with our preconceived notions and our preconceived experiences of what the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. We've got to make sure that we, that we understand that we have biases and that we have to say many times what we know and perceive about the Holy Spirit has been shaped by what we have experienced and not Scripture. And, and we have to take our experiences and interpret them through scripture instead of taking scripture and interpreting it through our experiences. Unfortunately, some people have seen what has been done in the name of the Holy Spirit, and they have said, we don't want that. And so it's pretty much like, okay, well, you know, the Holy Spirit is kind of mentioned 800 times in the Bible. He's in the Old Testament He's in the New Testament. You can see him at the beginning in creation. You can see him at Jesus' baptism. Did you know Jesus did not begin his public ministry until he was anointed and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? Jesus did not begin to minister until he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Did you know the church was not born until the Holy Spirit fell? Jesus actually told his disciples. He told them, wait. Like, they just saw Jesus rise from the dead. And Jesus told them, don't go tell anybody yet. Don't do it. Wait until I give you the gift of my Holy Spirit. He told them, wait until they have been equipped and empowered and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. What we actually see here, whenever the church was born, there were actually some people that did not even know there was a Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19. We're going to actually read this here where he's the church here has probably been going for probably about 70 years. And you've got Paul, who is this church planner traveling, going around to all these different places. He comes up to, to a people in the city of Corinth. It was a church where it, it was a place where he actually planted a, a church. And we're going to actually go in here, read in here, 
on an interaction that Paul had. It said, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So, so these are followers of Jesus. Said, and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And really, honestly, I believe this is much of the church. Is, is, is that we don't even, like, we love Jesus. Like, we, we understand that, like, we, we are Christians. We're going to heaven. Like, we love Jesus. But at the same time, many of us would say, yes, sort of kind of know there's some sort of something out there that I can feel. But, I, but honestly, I believe many of us don't know that our response is the same as we don't even know there is a Holy Spirit. And really, I think first off, we've got to make sure that we, that we, see, that, that we see clearly how the Spirit fits. Can, can, you, can you guys go a couple slides back when it says, um, God the Father loves me. Look at this slide here, okay? We believe that God is Trinity, meaning three yet one. Try, try unity, meaning he's three, yet one, in the same way a husband and wife, they become one, yet they're equal, they have equal value, they are distinct, and they have different responsibilities, but the two, but, but, but the two of them, they are one, in the same way that's how God is. And really, we've got to understand and see clearly what the Trinity's role is in, in, in our lives, we can see that God the Father loves me, Jesus the Son saves me, and then the Holy Spirit comes in me. You have this Father God that loves you, and that's why we call God Father. The Son, he came down and paid the price for your sin. He came down and lived the perfect sinless life that you could not live and died on the cross in your place and for your sin. He was the penalty, the payment for our sin. He took the penalty but gave us the benefit of the price he paid, right? Jesus did that, okay? And then when, here's the thing. Jesus left, but Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you down here by yourself. I'm going to give you God to now live inside of you. God, the Father, loves me. Jesus died for me. And then he said, I'm not just going to leave you. Because here's the thing. Jesus is gone, y'all. He's gone. But he said, I will fill you. I won't leave you by yourself. I will leave you with God inside of, with, with God inside of you. And here's the thing. For some of you today, I want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. For some of you, I want to reintroduce you. To the Holy Spirit. For, for, the, for those of you here who think he's some spooky, weird force, and for those of you who kind of think all he does is, you know, fill people to speak in tongues, I'm not sure where you are, but I want to reintroduce you today, or for the first time introduce you to the Holy Spirit today. This word spirit could, could you go ahead and bring that slide up? This word spirit in the Old Testament is this, is this word ruach. Everyone go ruach and then hawk a big fat loogie. Ruach. <laughs> ruach. Right, good. 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 That is, that, that is the word spirit in the Old Testament. 
And what that word means, it simply means a wind, breath, a violent exhalation, a blast of breath. In the New Testament, which is written in Greek, it is the word pneuma. The P is silent. And what this says here is a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. Now, now here's the thing. When people were translating the Bible, they had to make some decisions about the kind of words they were going to use to describe God. And they didn't want to say that, that it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Breath. Sound a little awkward, right? But at the same time, or God the Holy Wind, right? So, so they said, God the Spirit. And here's the thing, right? If we're going to properly understand and know the characteristics and how the Holy Spirit works, we can take wind as an example, since it's, since it's one of the examples given here, and we can say, what are the physical characteristics of winds, of wind that correlates with how the Holy Spirit works? The first one is this here. Wind is unseen, but you can feel it. Wind is unseen, but you can feel it. And some of you, you have a big problem with this part of God, but that you, you can't see him. But we believe that even though you can't see him, you can feel him. And many of you here have felt him. You feel his presence. Matter of fact, that is one of the biggest reasons why you come here on Sundays is because you feel something. We got this one guy at our church. He just says, man, there's just an energy here that I like. There's just this energy. And I'm like, it's the Holy Spirit, brother. It's not just a physical energy. It is the Spirit of God that is here. Now, here's the thing, right? Some people have said, have honestly, they come into church and they shut their feelings down. Because they've seen wacky stuff, they've seen crazy stuff, they said, I ain't feeling nothing. Nothing. And I'll just be honest with you, most of them are guys. You know how guys are, right? You know what I'm saying? Most guys I know are like, church is for emotional people. My wife can go, right? She can go worship, right? And honestly, many of us, we can just shut our feelings down, and we can think that God doesn't want to have you feel something. Now, here's the thing, right? We don't base all of our faith on what we feel because our feelings can be fallen, right? But at the same time, we don't always shut them down. We open up our feelings to say, God, I just don't want to see you do things. I want to, like, I, I want to feel you. We had this one lady, whenever I spoke about the Holy Spirit, uh, probably back in uh, May of 2018, we had this one girl at the end of this, the sermon, I had people lift up hands, and I just said, if you need the breath of God, the Spirit of God to, to fill you. That morning, she woke up, and she was battling breathing. She, she had her asthma flare up, and she said right, right at that moment, whenever she lifted up hands, she said she literally felt a physical breath of air fill her lungs and heal her right on the spot. You know what I'm saying? Like, we believe that that wasn't just energy, that that wasn't just luck. We believe that that was a physical expression of the Spirit of God filling, showing himself. It's something we can feel. So though we can't see it, we believe you can feel it. In John chapter 14, 16 through 17, it says this. This is actually Jesus talking. He's talking to his disciples, setting them up, warning them he's going to be peacing out. 
warning them he's leaving, and he has this conversation with them. He says, and I will ask the Father, his Father, and he will give you another advocate. That word could also say helper, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Basically saying, the world's going to laugh at you. The world's going to think you're crazy. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Will be in you. Wind is unseen, but you can feel it. Next. And, and, and here's the thing. I pray every single week. Our prayer team prays. We pray that you would walk in and you would feel literally the tangible presence of God. That you would walk in and you would feel something different. You would feel a stirring inside of your spirit, and we believe that that is the Holy Spirit working. Secondly, wind, not only is it unseen, it's unpredictable. Wind can just change directions. It can change speeds at any time. And do you know what? Many times that's the way that God works. And for some of you, you get uncomfortable when, the, when something happens in church that seems a little out of the ordinary. And honestly, I get really uncomfortable when something happens out of the ordinary. Because I have been in services where there's been a lot of unordinary things happen. And it can be really awkward. I was in a church one time where there was always this one dude sitting in the church, and he would just sit like this the whole time. And then you, it was like Jack in the Box. You never knew when he was going to go, oh! And I'm just like sitting there like bracing myself, right? I saw that. I saw one, one, one time in a church that I grew up in, a back window in the church blew out. One time the pastor was preaching, oil started coming out of his hands. Like when, when that kind of stuff happens, me, I'm, I'm like, where is that the Bible? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, and here's the thing, thing, right? We actually want to welcome the unpredictable nature of God because he can move outside of our understanding. He's not limited by us, right? So honestly, we, we actually pray and welcome here the unpredictable nature of God. If God wants to mess our service schedule up, if God wants, wants to do something miraculous and powerful, it's his prerogative. We believe he can do it. We believe he can do it. We believe he can do whatever he wants. But honestly, we've got to welcome that and honestly almost be okay with getting outside of what we know as comfortable and just what our experiences of what we've seen. But here's the thing. We use scripture as, as our guide. I believe that there are some things associated and attributed to the, the Holy Spirit that, are, that is not the Holy Spirit. There are some things that give man praise instead of God praise. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. And here's the thing, if people are being glorified, that is not the purpose. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to see Jesus glorified. But honestly, you've got to be okay that God might work outside of what your comfort zone is. Honestly, many denominations, here's the thing, churches fight over, over this stuff. Churches fight over what they believe about the Holy Spirit. I mean, honestly, denominations were formed because people had a certain experience and shaped and formed a whole theology out of their experience. Here's the thing. What, what you see? God spoke to Moses out of a bush, out of a burning bush one time. 
Now, what if Moses went back and he said, God can only speak to you through burning bushes? Because he did it one time. No. He did. That was an unpredictable way. God spoke through a donkey in Scripture. Like, we, we your experience is, is great, and I've, but, but at the same time, we interpret experiences through, through Scripture, and, and we say, this is, uh, this is our, uh, what's it called, leveling thing. This, this is our plumb line, right? This is the one that we are going to interpret experiences through, but we've got to be okay with the fact that sometimes the Holy Spirit will work outside of what we think. I told you a couple weeks back, there was this one time where, this blind, this guy brought this blind guy to Jesus, and he was like, hey, Jesus, I saw you put your hand on someone else. Can you put your hand on my friend and heal him? And Jesus, like I said, bent down on the ground, spit in the ground, made mud, and put mud on the guy's eyes. Can you imagine this dude being like, oh, I didn't know he was going to do this mess. I thought he was just going to do the hand thing. See, honestly, I think God works in different ways because here's the thing. If he, if he didn't, we would worship a system instead of worshiping God, the God of the system. We would all be like, oh, okay, just do the hand thing. Hocus pocus, da 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 da. Hakuna matata, you know, or whatever, right? Like we would worship a system instead of worshiping the God who has the power and strength. So God doesn't work the same all the time. He's unpredictable, so we actually welcome that. Thirdly, not only is wind unseen, not only is wind un unpredictable, but wind is powerful. You've seen the, the examples of what can happen when a hurricane or tornado strikes. It can cause some extreme damage, and the bottom line is this, y'all. There are some things that you are currently handling in your life and that you will handle that you will need something supernatural to get you through. You will need supernatural love to love people you can't stand. You will need supernatural joy in circumstances that where it doesn't make sense that you are still smiling and giving God praise in the middle end. You need supernatural patience whenever you are there in the midst of a job you can't stand, when you are there with kids that are getting on every last nerve. You need something supernatural. You even say, I can't do it, and you are absolutely right. You don't have it inside of you to be able to do it. You need the power and presence of God himself through the Holy Spirit in you to give you supernatural love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. That is actually a promise that we have as believers in Christ. Power. Power. And actually the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower you. Have, have you ever said, I've said this multiple times, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And honestly, what I find many times is, is I just leave the Holy Spirit in a box. I'm trying every human method. I'm trying every human, oh, maybe I just need to read more Oprah. Maybe I just need to read more Dr. Phil. Maybe I just need more self-help. And what I find when I get in and, and, and I get in the presence of God and I start to listen to the Holy Spirit, things become clear. But the bottom line lines is the Holy Spirit is powerful and the Holy Spirit wants to empower you. Acts 1.8, this is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit right, right before the Holy Spirit came. He said, but you, when he's talking about you, he's talking about you, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my 
witnesses. Do you know what that word witness is in the Greek language? It's martyr. You will receive power. You will receive dynamite. That Greek word there is dynamo. You will receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and fills you, and you will be my witnesses. It will give you the power and strength to even die for your faith. And it says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I love what Paul says here, writing to his pastor or protege, Tim, Tim, Timothy. Tim, Timothy was a young pastor struggling with fear. I can relate with this, <laughs> okay? 2 Timothy 1, 1, uh, 2 1, 7, this is Paul writing. He says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, dynamite power, of agape love and self-discipline. Galatians 5, through 23, this talks about the kind of fruit that the Holy Spirit, that a person that is filled with the Holy Spirit, the kinds of qualities that that they show. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that the Holy Spirit breeds and that come out of you when the Holy Spirit fills you. Does anyone need some of these things in their life? Then what you don't need is better methods or better habits. You need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will breed in you methods and habits yes but it begins not with your willpower it doesn't begin with your trying harder it begins with you saying less of me more of him holy spirit fill me secondly the holy spirit is your guardrails the holy spirit is your guardrails the holy spirit acts as think of you're on a road a, a two-lane highway and you have cliffs on both sides what the Holy Spirit acts as for you, it acts as guardrails to keep you from falling off, right? Here's, here's the thing, right? Ephesians 4, 4, 30 tells us, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit can be grieved because the Holy Spirit isn't a, you know, ghost. It's, it's a person, like, and he's got feelings. He, he can... He can be grieved, and the way you grieve him is by you, by you don't listen to him. You don't listen to him. Here's the thing, right? Some of you here, you know what I'm talking about. When I say the, the Holy Spirit convicts you, where you get that check in your spirit when you're doing something, saying something, watching something, listening to something, when you've said something, when you have not confronted something, it's not just what you do, it's what you don't do. When you know you did not do what you should have of been doing, you get this check in your spirit, and you know that that is the Holy Spirit saying, mm, that, that wasn't right. That wasn't good. Don't send that email. You shouldn't have sent that email. Matter of fact, you need to go and talk to them because of that email you sent. Right? Like, like the, the Holy Spirit will keep you, will guide you, and be your guardrails and be that, be that GPS inside of you because the Holy Spirit's ultimate job is to lead you to, to become and shape you and form you to be more like Jesus. And so, when that, so, so here's the thing when I say guardrails, I mean this that, that if, if you don't listen and you say, I'm going to do it my, my, my way, 
what you'll, what you'll actually do is you'll silence the voice of the Holy Spirit. And Scripture actually causes your conscience, your heart becomes seared as with a hot iron. To, see, right, so here's the thing, right? I play guitar, played, play a little bit, okay? I can play G, D, E minor, C, okay? I can play a few chords. And here's the thing, whenever I first started, started playing, my fingers, like, you know, my, uh, my fingertips were absolutely just like, it felt like they were being stabbed with knives because you're pressing down on, on the strings. And, and, and it's just extremely uncomfortable. But then over, and I was extremely sensitive, but then over time, the more I pressed, the more they became calloused to where when I was pressing, I didn't feel them no more. Here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit impresses upon you something, you need to listen and, and listen and listen and obey. Because if you don't, here's, here's, here's the thing. Your heart will become calloused. If you purposely and intentionally disobey what you know is right. And here's the thing, right? That's why, that's why I tell you this. The Holy Spirit inspired people to write the Bible. That's why we... We, we want to say, God, show me who you are from your word because, the, because we believe that the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And here's the thing. Whenever we purposely disobey God's word and purposely do what, what we know inside of ourselves is right, we can silence the voice and we can numb the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I was talking with a guy a couple days ago. And he was telling me about a, de- about a decision he was going to make that was consciously something that he knew wasn't God's best. And, and, and I mean, and I'm just like, dude, I love you. You know that, right? So, yeah. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to be very candid with you. If you make this decision, you are intentionally and purposely going against what you know and what you've read and what you've even told me you know God's best is. And if you make this, this decision, you will silence the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why? Because it's only going to become easier to disobey. And unfortunately, what we have become in this society is people that place our feelings above the Bible. And we don't realize that the, honestly, following Jesus does not mean that, that, that what we always feel is what is always right. Our feelings have to have guardrails. Our desires have to have guardrails. Un, unconstrained, unguardrailed feelings and desires will run amok without the Holy Spirit in God's word. This is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He said, when he comes, he will prove the world When he comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Here's the thing. The Spirit will convict you, but it will never never condemn you. Any condemning voice you hear is the voice of Satan himself or the voice of you. God will never draw you to himself by saying, you are bad, I don't like you, I hate you. If you hear that, that is not the voice of God drawing, drawing you. That is the voice of Satan trying to get you to be in a place of isolation and condemnation and guilt and shame. And that is never the Holy Spirit. Ever. You have got, got to know the Holy Spirit will convict you. It will nudge you. It will 
prick you, but it will never condemn you. Scripture says that there is no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And you've got to know the difference. Conviction is, I love you. See, that's, 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 that's what I'm saying. Conviction is a father. I can tell you how many times I've had this talk with my son, where I look him in the, in the eyes. Son, if you talk to your mom like that one more time, you're not going to talk to her that way because you're going to breed disrespect. And if you disrespect her, you'll disrespect your wife or you'll disrespect your teachers or you'll disrespect your wife. So I want to make sure that you don't disrespect them so you're not going to disrespect her. Gotcha. Love you. Right? Right? Here's the thing. Condemnation is, Jackson, you suck. I can't believe you would do that. What kind of son are you? What kind of son are you? That is the differing voices. One is conviction that leads to repentance and righteousness. The other one is condemnation that leads to shame and guilt. And you've got to know the, know the different voices. And if you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you, prodding you, nudging, nudging you, that's when you say, that is, that is the voice that I need to listen to and walk in that. Third, thirdly, the Holy Spirit is, is your friend. Holy Spirit is your friend. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says this, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Here's the, here's the point of this. The Holy Spirit wants to be your go-to. The Holy Spirit wants to be your go-to. In the same way a best friend is your go-to, in the same way you call someone right after you have that crazy, dis- that, that crazy discussion, in the same way when something crazy happens, you, you, you call that one person and you're like, hey, I've got, to tell, tell, I've got to tell you about this. In the same way you almost got in that crazy car accident and, and you called them. Like the, the Holy Spirit wants to be your go-to, wants to be your intimate friend. Ephesians 5, 18 says this here, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, now here's the thing. Let me tell you what I think Paul is saying here. Is, um, not, he's not just picking on wine. He's picking on what, what replaces the Holy Spirit's role in your life. Because I'll just be honest with you. Everyone has got a bottle. And what I think Paul is getting at here is, is he's saying, what do you replace? What is your go-to instead of the Holy Spirit? What intoxicates you? What becomes your numbing agent? What becomes your cultural narcotic instead of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Because the Holy Spirit is meant to be your helper. The Holy Spirit is meant to be your, the presence of God, your companion inside of you on this earth. And honestly, I don't think it's not that the Holy Spirit wants to help. It's not that the Holy Spirit can help. It's just that we've got so many other fillers, numbers, and narcotics that the Holy Spirit can't help because we've got so many replacements for him. Maybe for you, it is alcohol. When you are in a place of brokenness, when you're in a place where you just want to escape, instead of going to the presence of the Holy Spirit, you go to the presence of Jack Daniels. And you need to switch that presence. 
because you are becoming enslaved. When things go wrong, maybe instead of turning to the Holy Spirit and getting, and getting comfort from him, you find your comfort in food and you're killing yourself. Maybe you find the comfort in drugs. You're finding something just, just to numb the pain. Maybe you turn to pornography. Maybe you turn to binge watching. The point is this here. Paul is saying, what do you replace? What is your replacement? What is your bottle that you replace the presence of power and, and comfort of the Holy Spirit in your life? Because the Holy Spirit wants to be your closest friend on this earth. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to help you. The Holy Spirit is there. It's this many times we've got so many replacements for him. Not only does the Holy Spirit want to be your friend, not only does the Holy Spirit empower you, not only does the Holy Spirit convict you, but here's the thing, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. First Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says this here, it says, don't, don't you realize, this is Paul talking, again, to the church in Corinth, he said, don't you realize that your body, everyone smack your body, this beautiful mess of your body, this beautiful mess that you are filled with beauty and you're filled with messiness. Don't you know, don't you realize that your body, this temporary body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. This, this beautiful mess of a body we have is literally a temple. What you see in the Old Testament, you see the Spirit, the Holy Spirit did not fill people. He filled, temp, temp, he filled temples. But now we see when, when Jesus came and fulfilled all of the Old Testament laws and rituals, it said, now guess who becomes the temple that the Holy Spirit fills? you so he says don't you realize you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and now the everyday prayer that you need to pray Holy Spirit you're welcome here not just you're welcome in a building you're welcome in my heart you're welcome in every square centimeter of my existence. And all you gotta say is not shoulda bought a Honda, but I bought a Mazda. You don't have to say, oh God, please. You just say this, fill me. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much. And